Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome one and all to the best in pop culture for 2022. It's Gerald Glassford for the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Hopefully you will not only like us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, you can subscribe to us today on YouTube and also everywhere you get your videos, including Facebook, Twitch, and oh so much more. Plus, catch the fact that we, every single day of the year, provide you with the best and the latest and the greatest in pop culture news each and every day right there for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, also as well, take care of us on the video end with some hours and hours and hours and many hours of awesome video footage that's available to you right now in the realm of tabletop RPG because all year long, we have produced more tabletop RPG footage out there than anyone else. So you can go ahead and check out that today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can do all that, support, like us, and subscribe, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos or a PCC Multiverse without my good friend, indeed. A big shout out to her. She is the mastermind behind everything. Vampires and Vitae, don't tell Robbie Ross. Is a good friend indeed. You got to go and check out what she's doing there. Vampires and Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, subscribe on YouTube today. Plus also as well, Wizards and Wine and Wild Beyond the Witchlight. The amazing adventure you got to go ahead and check out today at Wizards and Wine on YouTube. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, it is that time. We wait all year long. Have we seen everything, read everything, listened to everything, and played everything out there? No. But for what we can do right now, first off, we can at least tell you what we've seen and done as far as the best in pop culture for 2022. It's one of those things where every year I'm like, I am going to be so organized for the year-end wrap-up stuff. I'm going to create Google documents. Every time I see something exciting, I'm going to make a note for myself. And here I sit furiously scribbling down notes on the largest post-it note that I have. <laughs> well, you know what I do? I, best thing I do all, all year is the first thing I do in January. I go ahead and I go get a, actually a, a app for Windows Notepad. And I just go ahead and start that and just start type in one list, best of 2022 and worst of 2022. And I go from there. We don't do your typical best movies, best video games, because, you know, as pop culture fiends that we are, we just take it all in. We absorb it all in. So why don't we just combine our list to the best things that we've experienced in pop culture for this year? I figured that's the best way to do it. I used to try to single it down between best movies and all that. And I'm just realizing that, you know what? We just have so little time to go ahead and check out everything. I figured we'd just go ahead and just share the best of what we liked this year. Yeah, I and I, I really do agree with that. I, I don't think that um, any list is ever fully complete without a whole bunch of mishmashed stuff together and placed in random order on said list. I, I think that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. I just think it's something that for individuals such as us who have a lot of uh, things that are always on our plate, other shows, other 
things in our lives, family lives, whole nine yards. It's just so hard for us to catch everything, but we try to each and every week as we go ahead and explain it to you each and every week, what's trending and what's hot and what's cool out there in the world of pop culture. But some of it's been really good and some of it's been not so good. And I'm sure we're going to go ahead and, and elaborate on both before our time is done here. But whew, there's a big list. I know as far as what's good in pop culture, what the best of in pop culture is for you and for myself. So just elaborate first off. You, you want to go ahead and, and go back and forth as opposed to just you run down your stuff and explain why and me run down my stuff, explain why. You want to just go ahead and just bounce off each other and see what happens? I, I think that's the best way to do it. I, I feel like I uh, learned that lesson when I was doing my, uh, you know, here are some ideas for your Christmas list. Uh, list. I, I think it's much better uh, if we just go ahead and go back and forth. Nobody wants to listen to me blat on for 20 minutes about just a list of stuff that I've created. So. I don't know about that. They sure dig you over at the Lakers fast break there. You, you've trended there. So <laughs> yeah. they seem to like what you're doing and Robbie too. So you get more love from uh, the Lakers fast break crew sometimes than I do. So I, well, say. I mean, that was, that was very kind. I, I saw the clip. Thank you for sending it to me. And, and that was, it was very, very sweet. I spent a lot of years uh, back in Canada on the radio, trying to be smooth and I've lost some of it, but a lot of it still no, stuck with me. So stop it. You have not. You're, you're still the, I don't want to say golden throat because that just makes you sound old when you're only just turned 21 last week or so. So yeah, yeah. just, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say, you know what? You're really, really good out there. So we truly appreciate it. I've been, like I said on the, the Lakers fast break, I've been truly blessed to have two great voices support me in this venture at pop culture cosmos. I've had some great voices with me before and some great voices that step in, obviously, you know, thanks so much to Marcus de la Garza, Jamie Monroy, TJ Johnson, Ben Arnault, some really great voices from around the world who have helped us out. But when it comes to the biggest thanks go to obviously you for a tremendous year plus in the seat with me on Friday nights. And of course, when it comes to what Josh and, and I have done over the course of uh, since 2016, I cannot uh, thank you both enough for the time that you've taken as far as talking to me. I mean, heck, just consider us the water cooler. Consider me the water cooler and just, you know, just you would have done that anyways for the past uh, year and a half plus anyways. Yeah, probably at some point I would have been, you know, talking to people who could have cared less about any little change that they made in Dungeons and Dragons. And bless your heart, you put up with all of it for me. So uh, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> you know. Robbie's probably going somewhere right now in the car. He's going, thank God mm. for Gerald. You can hear all of this. I don't have to. Yeah, it's true. And I'm just so happy that you'd be talking about everything going on. But Melinda, okay, tell me some of the, or one uh, of the best in pop culture items that you have for 2022. I mean, do, do we want to start with TV? Do we want to start with movies? Do we want to start with music? Do we want to start with just general Whatever. pop culture just things? General, this is because that's what the best of pop culture is doing. You just throw out whatever it is that met your fancy. If you listed them and ranked them, I did. I ranked all my things into one ranking. 
So I'm just going to go and shout it out from the bottom up. But uh, yeah, just let me know what, what meets your fancy on that. Yeah, my, mine is a little more, mine's a little messier. Um, I didn't yeah. organize it quite that way. I was just sitting here and, and thinking about things that really kind of impressed me or, or left some kind of impression over the year and kind of made that my best of list. Um, and I'm going to start with my guy, Louis Capaldi. Uh, he's, for those of you who are not familiar, he's a pop singer from the UK a genuinely funny dude he is so funny his sense of humor is you know the the fantastic british humor it's super dry but he released an album and this year the the billboard campaign uh for the album was certainly unique he is uh the king of self-deprecating humor Mm -hmm. and lewis capaldi has like a, a dad bod Right. Which which we know, you know, the ladies love and everybody is like, yay, dad bods are great. Um, But he chose to be on these billboards in his glorious dad bod form with his tidy whiteies, a glass of wine, disheveled hair and some sunglasses. And those were across Europe. They were everywhere. These um, these billboards. And I don't know if it helps record sales or not but it definitely put a smile on my face. And it's something that I've thought about, like maybe like a, a rough day um, editing or, or anything like that. I found myself going to uh, Louis Capaldi and his social media and going back to those billboards. And it would just easily turn my day around. I, I can't say enough about the guy. If you only know him because of his heartfelt and a very, very sad breakup songs or love songs, you need to check out his social media because, you know, like I said, he, he truly is just a funny guy and definitely worth your time uh, to look this stuff up. He, he's really great. But his billboard campaign to sell an album made it onto my best of list for 2022. Fair enough. Uh, Louis Capaldi, that it is. So anything else you want to add in before I add one of my own? Let me see. Oh, well, I'm going to talk about vampires for a second, not our show, what we do okay. in the shadows, which is uh, I watch it on Hulu. I think it's on FX, I believe, uh, yes. on regular TV. So the storyline this year with Laszlo and Colin Robinson mm-hmm. added such a beautiful layer to Laszlo. Like we, you know, Laszlo and the way that, um, they present him on the show is just very much a um, let's call it joie de vie kind of guy. Um, But this storyline concerning Colin Robinson, and I'm trying to not give spoilers, even though the show, the the season had ended like months and months and months ago. I don't want to do spoilers too hard here Mm. because it's such, it's such a, a great thing to go back and watch, but everything that Laszlo goes through surrounding Colin Robinson, uh, in the latest season of what we do in the shadows was some of the best writing and most pure acting that I've seen both from the guy who plays Colin Robinson, as well as, uh, I believe it's Matt Berry who Mm -hmm. plays, uh, Laszlo. Just all around good stuff. Really great season from what we do in the shadows. If you are unfamiliar, um, it's another one of those shows that is a little under the radar, but uh, absolutely worth your time. Absolutely check it out. Fair enough. Uh, Right there for you. Once again, it's the best of pop culture for 2022. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. This is Gerald Glassford along with Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. Please go ahead and check out what Melinda's doing today at Vampires Vitae. 
and Wild Beyond the Wishline right there on YouTube. One of the things I want to go ahead and mention as some of my best of pop culture for 2022, I'm going to go from the bottom up, like I said, as far as on the pretty good, very good end, but not the great end of it. So on the pretty good end was The Vowels, season two on HBO Max and HBO. As I said before, The Vow season one is truly compelling as a docuseries and it is one of the best docuseries I have ever seen as far as the the Nixon cult, the cult that gained worldwide notoriety because of the illegal things that were reported and ultimately indicted upon as far as uh, the uh, sex ring and things of that nature, dealing with branding and uh, dealing with some nefari- other nefarious things led by a cult leader per se that uh, unfortunately for him his uh, life has now changed after doing so much harm to so many people as people go that went to this 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 cult for help for their for their own self-being and it turned out for many to be something much different and the individual that led all this as uh, in this season season two uh, ultimately gets his comeuppance in federal court and he was sentenced to over 100 years in prison and where he's currently serving at this point in time. But season one was so outstanding. It was really hard to go ahead since we already knew what the outcome, if you've actually been following the news over the past couple of years, you knew what the outcome of this trial was going to be. But season two with recreations and interviews, very compelling interviews and new individuals that they brought into the mix we're still able to spice it up to exactly end the series because you really can't extend it anymore to really any extent because you really told out the story, especially the fact that, again, the, the individual involved at the center of all this is going to be in jail for quite a long time. It looks like that it, they probably did the best with what material that they could use out of it. It wasn't exactly as compelling as season one, which was some very compelling television just of individuals trying to escape the cult, the the what the the whole inference of Nixon was all about. So yeah, definitely for me, the Val season two is a good, really good, but not at the top level, the top top of the best. But it still it earned a place right there in the back end. And then one more thing I'm going to mention before I hand it back over to you is Atlanta seasons three and four, both uh, aired this year on FX and Hulu. Donald Glover, way to end the series, just one of the most talented individuals in entertainment. Definitely a great way to go ahead and uh, end the show, end the series on a great note, because uh, it's not because of ratings that they're ending, it's because I'm assuming because of his call as far as creative, where he wanted to take it. So the great cast that worked with him on this series are all to be commended. And yeah, he just did an outstanding job. Uh, Season three and season four, I believe both aired this year outstanding television and really good watch and i'm i'm recommending it as part of my best of 22 for pop culture you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do do people still use dials for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts I'm going to stick with music for a minute longer. Mm -hmm. 
But you would be remiss if you did not talk about the return and absolute domination of Kate Bush uh, this year with running up that hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks. How it was... Thank you, Stranger Things. Yeah, it was just absolutely everywhere. And any uh, interviews that you see uh, with her about this rekindled success of the single, uh, she uh, really does, uh, you know, credit the show with everything. And uh, she just seems so humbled by the the reemergence of the song and and all of that kind of stuff. I, I just I love a moment like that for her. I, I thought that was fantastic. Um, other songs that really stuck up to me this year, and um, I'm one of those people who just doesn't have time to really listen to radio anymore. There are songs that become so big, they kind of just bleed into your life, no matter what you're doing or what you're not doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the songs that did that for me this year were, was Lizzo, About Damn Time. That song just seemed to be absolutely everywhere. Yes. Um, and I don't think I've ever sat down and intentionally listened to the song, but I know all of the words. So that to me is a pretty good indication of how successful a song has been. Um, The same goes for uh, Sam Smith and his single Unholy. That's another song where um, I don't remember ever actually seeking out and listening to the song, but I know all of the words and I know enough about the video that I'm not entirely convinced I haven't watched the video at some point, but I don't remember actively sitting down and looking it up. So uh, those were a couple of standout singles for me this year from 2022. Fair enough, indeed. Once again, it's the best of pop culture in 2022. Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, come right back at you here. It wouldn't be seemingly a best of pop culture lately these past few years without adding a season of Cobra Kai to the mix. (laughs) And that's what I did. Uh, Season five ended really on a pretty good note with uh, possibly the return of Crease to Power, the villains. uh, They're... They're actually getting virtually everyone from every part of the universe of Karate Kid. And seemingly they've been able to work it to success. They've been able to go ahead and uh, some of the cheese and some of the bad parts as far as the the movies from Karate Kid Part 2 and Part 3. They've been able to make a lot better in this series, a lot more formidable a lot more well worth your watch and the way that they interact between the adult as far as William Zabka and, and of course, uh, Ralph Macchio, their dynamic, the way they continue to work with each other all these years. I know they, they commented on their, their feud back in the day and obviously they've mended fences since then. And, you know, after five successful seasons of Cobra Kai, I'm sure I would be good friends. That's for sure. That's, you know, what the pay, as long as those paychecks keep coming in, absolutely. But I will say, though, that the show itself takes itself not so seriously to the point that it does a great job of what it does to do, and that is entertain. It entertains. It reminds you of what was good about the Karate Kid movies and takes out a lot of the bad and twists around on its end. It does a good job of interacting the the teenagers on there, but don't make it cheesy enough to make it a teen comedy, like roll your eyes type deal. It does a great job of balancing and balancing where it needs to balance. And I think that's something uh, where a lot of shows that try to go ahead and do an adult side and the teenage side don't do a good job at as far as they try to do one with the adults and lean it too heavy or two, try to put focus too much on the kids and make it too cheesy. The Cobra Kai series has done a great job of it in season five really uh 
did a great job of of uh, bringing a old villain back to life that uh, we thought really couldn't really be hammed up anymore. He just absolutely just did a great thing as far as uh, trying to go ahead and incorporate new ideas to old enemies and the way that they go ahead and try to uh, foil everything that's going on with the, the our heroes in the series. Yeah, so definitely a great way to go ahead and and spend a, a couple days as far as watch the season of uh, Cobra Kai and season five was definitely worth the watch. So yeah, couldn't recommend it to any higher so far as the series and season five, one of the better seasons in the mix. And I definitely put it on my best of for 2022. Well, I see your Cobra Kai and raise you Wednesday. Mm, Netflix's huge hit. Actually, it came out earlier today that we posted on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook that uh, the Nielsen ratings have shown out that it is actually debuted at a larger debut than virtually every other show not named Stranger Things. <laughs> Naturally. And I'm seeing uh, a lot of... But it's getting close to those hours. They're building up enough hours where they may actually pass stranger things oh that's so great and good for good for everybody involved uh in in that series uh, i know a lot of uh well not i know a lot of tiktok influencers but i have seen a lot of tiktok influencers now um starting to uh do wednesday's dance from the show so it's oh, yeah. it's definitely and you know a lot of people are like how to create wednesday's goth look and and all of that kind of stuff so it's definitely permeating through pop culture on just about every level that you can imagine that's what I'm trying to do right now. So yes. I mean, it's close. It's 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 close. Close enough, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> Wednesday has dominated the ratings, and uh, I really think that it's done a great job of building up uh, such a surprise hit. Because I knew there were some expectations with Tim Burton, obviously overseeing everything as the executive producer, but I don't think that they expected to be the numbers that The Crown was doing. Harry and Megan, I think they were writing a lot of money on that, and they did not expect as much from Wednesday, and they are pleasantly surprised at Netflix. Yeah, and I hope that means that we get a lot more of of Wednesday. I, I oh, thought that I'm uh, sure you will. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's probably going to happen. Uh, but everybody involved in it just did such a great job. You know, all of the actors in the in the show were fantastic and. Um, like the the set design was beautiful the costuming was beautiful the cinematography was fantastic all of it was really really good well that's again wednesday on netflix if you haven't catched it or if you haven't caught it already i'm sure you will if you've got netflix i will say if you got amazon prime and you have not caught a season of the boys shame on you because the boys is one of the best series that's available on amazon prime mind you it is mature Mind you, it does go on mature themes quite constantly, seemingly every five minutes, but the way it handles it, both tongue in cheek, literally, and also the way it handles the superhero genre in and of itself, I think what the, the I think the themes that it tackles on a season by season basis are really good. And based off the dark comic, this is something I really think that was a great adaptation. It's one of the best adaptations I've seen out there. It is the boys, and season three was very, very good in and of itself as far as providing a new season of emphasis on everything going on. New new heroes, quote-unquote, added in the mix. New villains added into the mix. 
Yeah, absolutely. Looking really good. And I'm really happy. I got a chance to go ahead and check out the boys season three. And, and that includes the, the scenes that we cannot talk about, which got everybody talking on social media. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something else. Yes. <laughs> we'll just uh, leave it at that. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, anything else you got for the best in pop culture for 2022? Um, if you are into anime, you have probably watched it. And if you are not into anime, uh, but you do like to watch yourself a, a grown-up cartoon, this one is even one that you could watch with like maybe like mid-teens, I think, and, and older, uh, maybe even a little bit younger than that. Depends on your fam jam and how you do things. But uh, Spy Family is so good it's so funny and it's uh it's so well done the voice acting in it is is tremendous and uh the little girl i'm sorry their names are all escaping me right now but uh, the little girl in the in the show is so funny um because she she has figured out both of her parents and their secret and she is struggling with not telling the other parent about the reality of what the other parent is in their job. Um, so that leads to some pretty funny, uh, we'll, we'll call it double entendre, but not in, uh, not in the usual way. Uh, but uh, that one, it's definitely, definitely worth your time. Everybody that I've spoken to about it has absolutely adored the series. So if you didn't check it out, uh, it's definitely going to be a good one for that week where you probably aren't wearing pants and you're probably still eating cookies between Christmas and New Year's. It's a good show for that week. That it is indeed. Uh, if you haven't caught it already, I'd go ahead and highly recommend it. It is by family. Definitely an anime you need to go ahead and catch sometime soon right there for you. But for me, I know the video game scene has been a mixed affair with some pretty good hits. Elden Ring has been a really a surprise hit exceeding expectations i think for a lot of people at square enix and then also as well you've had god of war this ragnarok this latest version of the god of war series i think that's gotten a lot of acclaim both of these games have gotten a lot of uh, end of the year game of the year awards obviously there's also horizon uh, call of the mountain uh, the new horizon series uh, the new horizon game that came out this year a lot of people are talking about that so there are other games that came out, but it was kind of like a lukewarm year because a lot of the games that we expected to come out did not come out and were delayed to next year, which is going to be a subject of what we're talking about for another time, which is going to be the most anticipated of 2023. But for now, it doesn't leave a lot of options unless you're heading into a part of retro and a part of video game lore that I was privileged enough to go ahead and check out. So for me, the best video game I played this year was Atari 50, the anniversary collection. And for me, it was not only a stroll down memory lane, but over 100 games are right there at your leisure, both old and new alike. Some of them are the old classic favorites of Atari history. Some of them are enhanced versions and new versions made of some of those classic games and a couple of original games in their own right are added as well. So definitely a great time, hours upon hours of, of gaming fun, not to mention an entire history of Atari is put there in detail in a multimedia format, both in text, showing pictures, showing, showing blueprints, showing actual game footage, showing actual interviews, 
of the early history of Atari and how it went from a small little company to such great lengths and great expansion in the early 1980s with, of course, the boom of the arcades and the home video game market, then, of course, the crash of 1983 and all that but also talks about the history beyond that as well. So some great things that you can find, not only for people out there that experience the history of video games, but also would like to know more about the video game lore and history behind Atari. There's no better place to go than the best video game I played this year, Atari 50, the anniversary collection. Fantastic. I'm going to piggyback off of that. I don't have a video game to drop, although I, I did really enjoy Elden Ring. I thought it was very, very good. I'm going to talk about the my favorite RPG that I played this year that is not Vampire the Masquerade or Dungeons and Dragons. And um, that I'm going to give the crown to the One Ring. It's mm -hmm. such a cool system and how it works. And the uh, the character building process was really unique, um, and you know I'm I'm excited to get further into the gameplay than we have already. We're going to see more of that with Pop Culture Cosmos and and our group of players. I know a lot of people are talking about you know walking away from D and D altogether and picking up the One Ring system and uh, starting to build and develop their own content around the system that they developed for the One Ring. It's it's really really nifty if you are a, a tabletop rpg hobbyist uh this is definitely one that you need to add to your bookshelf it, it's a very cool and i do know that it is available for foundry uh there's a module that you can buy for that that to plug into foundry um and it, it's uh it's worth the price tag it's it's really very good and i don't really know a whole lot about the world of tolkien i've seen the movies i never read the books or anything like that growing up the game just very cool i really appreciate the the mechanics and stuff of it it's it's really nifty and I'll tell you what, from what I've seen, Blade Runner, the RPG, is also something that I think a lot of people like out there, especially if they're into cyberpunk uh, and they played that over the course of time on tabletop RPGs. If they're into something like that and they want to go ahead and, and delve into something new, it is the Blade Runner tabletop RPG and the One Ring RPG as well, both outstanding choices if you were looking for something beyond Dungeons Dragons. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Once again, it is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, right here for you at the best of pop culture in 2022. Thanks so much for watching and listening. I'm still not over you. I still got plenty of stuff in the queue for the best of pop culture in 2022. One of the things I did add to my list was Only Murders in the Building, season two, the award-winning hit series on Hulu, Only Murders in the Building, follows follows the eclectic clue the the eclectic crew the eclectic mix of martin short steve martin and i'll tell you what it's just those two together have really done a great job with trying to make this a really fun show i really am enjoying what i'm seeing the twists the turns and and are really appreciating what i'm seeing i know that uh when it comes to what 
is going to happen or what could possibly happen with a season three. We've already seen the building of it as far as, you know, what murder it's going to surround as far as uh, what we can say. So I can't say anything because, again, we're going to go into spoilers if I did. But it's going to be very interesting for season three. And a lot of that is built off of a really, really good season, season two. Selena Gomez uh, is there as well to help provide a lot of the uh, calamity going on. But, yeah. Definitely uh, something I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much as I did was Only Murders in the Building, season two. Uh, jumping off of that, I think that uh, The Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix is absolutely worth your time. Um, I am not a horror fan by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, I decided I would give this a shot. You know, short uh, stories, all done by different directors. And uh, I was like, you know, you know, 20 minutes, a half an hour, it can't get that bad <laughs> with that kind of time frame. And I got through two of them. So I haven't seen all of them. I got through two. And the second one that I watched has truly stayed with me. So if you are a, a horror fan and you're, you like that, like psychological kind of horror, um, definitely check it out. In particular, the one about the grave robbing. Go ahead and, and watch that one. That's the one that I'm talking about that has kind of stayed with me because it's a man and he fights and he constantly wins. But, and that's, I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to ruin it because it's so good. And again, not a horror fan by any stretch, but uh, that one definitely worth your time. Definitely on my list for the best of 2022. One of the things I did want to say that when it comes to Netflix and one of the reasons why they're still on top or still one of the most prevalent streaming services on the planet is because they get they provide great content at, at times. They provide a lot of great content. Of course, we've seen that with Wednesday, The Crown. We've seen Harry and Meghan, as I mentioned before. They've had a ton of stuff. They've got, uh, obviously, something we both want to see in Knives Out, Glass Onion which under normal circumstances from what we're hearing could be on this list because of the advanced word is that it's so good. You got to go ahead and see it. And by the time this airs, we'll already have. So I'm sure at a future date, we'll tell you exactly how much we enjoyed it. But one of the things on Netflix this year, obviously you cannot deny is the greatness of stranger things. And this latest season was no less powerful stranger things. Season four, volume one and two was really it, I really got invested into it. Stranger Things has been a off and on thing for me. I've either really liked it or just said, you know, I'm just not having it with this thing. But this season, it kept me glued in. It kept me entrenched and it kept me right there, riveted each and every minute. Really compelling television this year. And season Stranger Things, Stranger Things season four, volume one and two. If you haven't seen it already, you're probably one of the five feet people at Netflix that, that hasn't. But yeah, definitely something to look into. Stranger Things season four. It's also responsible for introducing a lot of Gen Z to Metallica. And Dungeons and Dragons. And Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Yep. There you go. There Stranger you go. Things just making trends that Gen X already knew about. Cheers. One of the things I you mentioned earlier that is also on my best of, and that's because I think of the powerful messages that it has, is something that I think in hindsight, Disney would have probably decided to put Lightyear on Disney Plus, and they should have put this movie out in the movies, and that is Turning Red. 
which was such a compelling watch, so emotional, so vibrant. The colors were so vibrant in that in that movie. It just really have stayed with me. And just I, I cannot say enough as far as the importance to a certain audience, uh, age, and demographic that really movies haven't really targeted much to all these years. It really did as far as young teenage girls growing up, go, growing through the period of time where their body's changing and and it growing into young ladies. And this movie really helps with that that that, that process that that you know as far as to let girls know it's okay, it's nothing to be shameful about, it's something that you can talk about, it's something that you can deal with you with your family and your, your friends and your your parents and it's something that it tells you it just tell it, it's a compelling story written in a way as far as from a cultural standpoint that i really think really hits home uh, i think if you're you're looking at it from a, you know an old fashioned to a modern look as far as adapting to a modern way as far as dealing with these type of issues and these type of things as far as growing up as far as you know when a young when a when a girl turns into a woman and uh, how it develops into woman and develops into, you know, those type of uh, things that need to be helped out with. You know, th they have questions. Women, lady, young ladies have questions. And it's up to us as parents to go ahead and try to help them answer them in a proper fashion. And I really think that Turning Red is a great way and a great explanatory measure to go ahead and tell them that it's okay to go ahead and grow up and and. Ask, ask the questions that you need to ask, but it is it does in such a beautiful and telling way, and I really think visually it's also a great movie as well. And I just again I think Disney Plus it, it did it did outstanding on Disney Plus. There's no denying that you know the numbers that it did for Disney Plus are some of the best numbers it's ever had. But I think you know in hindsight Pixar, I know I know people at Pixar were very upset about it not being released as a movie, and I can definitely after seeing the movie know why that is yeah absolutely you could tell that that movie was a labor of love for all of the animators who were working on it it's just uh like you said visually stunning um a wonderful story uh told in a very poignant way and i i think that it's one of those movies that you might not truly appreciate as you know, a, a girl, but as you begin to get a little bit older and you start to see yourself more and more in the lead character. And I think that uh, the way that the movie evolves and it talks about like even her relationship with her mom and the relationship with her friends. And I don't know why I'm angry. I'm just really angry and, and all of that kind of stuff. I think that uh, that's one of the movies that I think is going to help ease families into some of those, let's face it, still tricky conversations that parents and kids have to have together. So um, I, I think it was a, a very clever way to do it, a very smart way to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I certainly appreciated the movie. I thought it was great. As did I. As mm -hmm. did I. One of the things that's also on my best of 22 for pop culture is something that we were very excited and anticipating seeing and that is back to amazon prime for lord of the rings the rings of power season one we were wondering exactly okay you're spending half a billion dollars at least as far as on the promotion on the making of this series and would it turn out okay and i know you know racked up against uh, house of the dragon everybody's saying oh house of the dragon house of the dragon house of the dragon well house of the dragon 
I think falls to second place as far as the matchup between those two, because I really am, was delighted to see Lord of the Rings season one. I really thought that was the better of the two medieval mythical fantasy series that came out that right around the same time. I really think the rings of power was a better fit and it answered a lot of questions in the way that I think was really entertaining. I was worried again about how it was going to stray away from the Peter Jackson sphere. And there was some string, but what it did also as well, as far as from, you know, explaining everything that's going on, I think it good. I think it did a great job in doing so. I mean, it, the this the story was fine. I just there were some spots where it was just like, okay, I get it. You're spending a lot of money on the visuals for this. Like it felt like that 20 minute scene that was her riding the horse. Mm-hmm. Was it down the beach? I think it's I can't down the remember. Beach, yes. Yeah, with the with her like clothes billowing behind the horse. Like I was like, oh come on, I I get it. It's beautiful, but can we? we go back to the story already of like 20 minutes i used i mean i'm exaggerating it wasn't 20 minutes it was probably more like two but i just i was like it okay felt to you like 20 minutes yeah i was like okay this is this is a little bit silly i'm actually surprised to see that that one is on your best list i'm genuinely surprised oh it was really good stuff absolutely hmm. good stuff and then we did define we did find out who is sauron so there you go that's true absolutely looking forward to another season of lord of the rings rings of power it was really good. Another surprise hit, I think, for a lot of people on Amazon Prime is something you and I talked about, and that was Upload. Season two finally came around. A lot of uh, issues, I know, with, with dealing with uh, coronavirus as far as for their shooting schedule, threw them off entirely. They had to limit the number of episodes that they actually had to be able to create for this series. This nice little quirky little small series that's trying to tell a nice love story and i think it's doing a pretty good job of that doesn't have the best special effects in the world no it actually has some of the worst special (laughs) effects i've seen on on any media but you know what the kind of story it tells and the fact that it knows itself as far as what it needs to do it's a little bit different, a little bit out there. So what happened if you could just, uh, you know, if you die and you could upload your body into a, you know, as far as a hemisphere that's created where still people could visit you and talk to you and interact with you and what would happen from there. And yeah, everything that went on in this series and you find out it's a, it's a murder mystery at the same time and you find out more clues and more clues and more clues. I think it's in all in all, it was a really good series so far. I'm hoping for a season three. I'm not sure if there's one coming, but if there is, I'll be right there to watch it. Yeah, it is a great show. And I think that it it actually tackles something that I think is coming our way before we know it with mm-hmm. the uh, with the implementation of AI. Um, I was watching uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the series. It's on Netflix. It has to, it's like future thinking or future something along those lines anyway. And they do this thing where they do like in the far future, this is what we see coming. So they have like a lot of futurologists and and stuff like that on the show. And then they do like in the near future, here's what we see happening. And it's talking a lot about these businesses that are that are going to start springing up because we're going to need somebody to look after what happens with all of our online content. When we finally, when we pass on, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they were calling it, um, 
uh, oh gosh, digital digital bits or digital scraps or something they were refer referring to it as. Uh, but uh, there was an, another person that they had that they interviewed and they were like, no, it's, it's a beautiful opportunity for us to take all of this data that we've been collecting on every single person who's part of any social media platform and we can take that, we can feed it into a computer and we should be able to produce reasonably accurate AI for your family members or your friends to log in and have a conversation with you. Um, and it, it will react, it will talk as you did, uh, it will look like you did and all of that kind of stuff. I find it fascinating, but I also worry a lot. I think that that's going to raise a, a lot of weird questions for uh, the future of, of grief and being able to move on and how we process grief. And I think that that show uh, kind of just, it's the tip of the iceberg for all of that kind of stuff and, and everything that's happening there, but it's a fascinating topic. Absolutely. So I recommend that as well, but definitely a great, great thing to go ahead and follow for the best of pop culture for 2022. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. One of the things I did want to mention that I enjoyed that was kind of under the radar. I know a lot of HBO discovery issues we've talked about over the course of the year, both the highs when you talk about the White Lotus and some other great things, of course, the House of the Dragon and some other hit shows that they've had. They've also had their lows, which as far as getting rid of Westworld and others, they've canceled a lot of shows that they had previously announced that they were going to go ahead and renew, Minx and some others. So HBO's done a lot of cost cutting in a lot of many ways. One of the shows I hope they don't cut, which was one of my best of 2022, is Tokyo Vice, oh. which definitely was some compelling watching. I think uh, Michael Mann was helping executive produce the show, but it also showed you a side of, of, of Japanese culture, which was very intriguing and interesting to me as far as the young reporter, I believe from Kansas, he comes over, he wants to learn the trade, wants to become part of the scene, and then in the midst of trying to do investigation into the Yakuza, you know, he gets embroiled into all this uh, intrigue and things of that nature. Had some side stories that were not worth your time that they added into the mix, which really didn't need to be. When they focused on the actual investigation, the interaction with the police, who is on the side of good, who's uh, been taking some uh, bribes, who is uh, clean, who is dirty, the Yakuza side, the reporter side, the Japanese newspaper side, and the cultural side of, of it, you know, that is really some of the best parts, of the, which is actually 80% of the show right there. Just some other stuff that they added in as far as that really doesn't work out as well that you really don't care about as a viewer. But the 80% that is there is really good and really definitely worth watching as far as the compelling mysteries, the 
the investigations, the the procedures and, and hoops that the uh, the American has to go through. So I really think it's worth your time. Tokyo Vice is one of my best of 2022. Very cool. Um, I am going to jump back to Disney Plus because okay. um, I would be remiss if I did not mention Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good. So good. And, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed Moon Knight. Um, I know. I'm uh, glad you did. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who have that same sentiment. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, particularly like the fight scenes where you would switch back and forth between him being present and then not being present in the the fight scenes and stuff like that. I just, I really enjoyed it. I, yeah, I liked it a lot. I hope they do more with Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night was really good, and it was probably the best thing on Marvel D- Disney Television after Hawkeye that I saw. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Miss Marvel or Moon Knight or any of the stuff that they put on there on Disney Plus between it. Um, I, I really couldn't enjoy it as much as you did, but I am glad that you did. So Werewolf by Night, I could definitely agree with you. In and of itself, it might have just created a monster verse of its own. True story. It was really good. And I need to talk about uh, something too that we had a, a little bit of a a little bit of insight into when we went to the National Association of Broadcasters convention here in Vegas, okay. and that was our opportunity to sit down with uh, the Adobe people and listen to one of the editors of Everything Everywhere All at Once, and he showed a photo of what <laughs> what the storyboard looked like um, as he was editing the movie. And, you know, he took it through like frame by frame by frame by frame and broke everything down. And it was just this one particular cut of, uh, I think it was a punch or a kick or something that he was showing. And the thought of how they, they even filmed it faster than they would be replaying it. So it would look more, I don't know what the word is, more like smoother. It, 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 it um, just a lot of really interesting thoughts that they had with um, about the editing and the approaching that they would take with the editing of this movie. And they even had people who had no experience with Adobe Edition or uh, not Edition. Sorry, that's the audio one. Um, Adobe Premiere or Adobe After Effects. They would sit down and they'd be like, OK, here is how you do this. And they would spend the morning with them and then they would give them this part of a scene and they'd go edit this and, and give us what you think it should look like. And some of those edits are in the movie, which I think is very bold and, and an interesting way to um, get some fresh ideas into the world of editing instead of beautiful sun shot, beautiful clouds, wonderful trees. Oh no, what's happening over here? Here's trouble. That's um, definitely not the way that everything everywhere all at once uh, was shot or definitely not how it was edited. So how was the movie for you then? I enjoyed the movie. I really did. The hot dog fingers, the the whole thing. I I just, it's such an interesting um, thing. And and I love these um, big ideas and and seeing things, um, you know, play out on the screen and seeing them play out in ways that I don't expect. I I really enjoy that when a movie can throw me a curveball like that. Well, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Definitely seeing a rise in success. It's going to be a very much everywhere, all at once when it comes to the award season mm-hmm. for the movie. And obviously, Michelle Yeoh and everybody involved. So I'm very happy for them. 
You never know. It might appear somewhere on my list as well, but we'll go ahead and continue oh. on. You never know. Okay. But another movie that came out to the theaters around that time that Everything Everywhere All at Once came out was, uh, and it's really hard to say this because, you know, you don't know what the future of this movie will be after what's gone on with DC and Peter Safran and James Gunn taking over. So you don't know what's in and what's out after whatever productions are done. I know the Joker is going to continue with its sequel as it is still in the production as of this time. You know that the Flash and Aquaman 2, they've already been made, so they're most likely going to be released, even though they what happens in those movies might not even be counting for anything later down the road because the individuals involved may no longer be a part of the DC Universe. We've already talked about at length what's going on with Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot in the past weeks about their possible no longer involvement. I know in Henry Cavill's you know, case, it's going to be no longer being involved as Superman anymore. We don't know the status of Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins, the director for Wonder Woman. But one DC movie that did click with audiences, it did pretty good out there. I think earned over $700 million worldwide, but also with critics and with me. And that's the Batman with Robert Pattinson. I know a lot of people worried about uh, what did um, my Ben Arno, my friend from Australia, something about sparkles. So, you know, the, I guess uh, vampires, yeah, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sparkles, the whole nine yard trying to associate yeah. that. They had, there's like a catch name for it. I, I don't know what that, I forgot that what, what that was, but I will say that Robert Pattinson in vengeance, I'm vengeance, you know, trying to go ahead and grunt through there as far as year two of Batman as far as where it sits in the timeline, as far as you don't see the origin story for the 900th time. You see him in the early days, though, in his second year of crime fighting and where it leads in. And you know what? I really like this film. Maybe it's a little long in the tooth. Maybe it could be shortened about 15 minutes, but otherwise it was really, really a good flick. It really was compelling. It really was a different and, you know, I wouldn't say unique, but different way of going ahead and looking at the Batman sphere I'm hoping that it will continue, but I'm not even sure because when I look at it now, I look at it the same way of The Flash, Shazam, Black Adam, and uh, Aquaman 2 upcoming. Is it worth my time to go ahead and sit down and watch these movies because of what's upcoming? What is going to be erased in the DC stratosphere going forward? I don't know. I don't know, honestly. But The Batman was a really solid outing, a really good outing, and is one of my best of 2022 for pop culture. Yeah, the the Batman was good and and surprised me. I sat down not expecting to like the movie at all, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I found myself enjoying it. So that that's always a good thing. And this like early in his Batmanness, Batman, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued about. I'm also intrigued about the getting too old for this stuff. Batman. I, I love the story on both ends of that because we've seen so much of Batman in his prime over the years mm-hmm. that exploring him as a younger hero, not as a child, but you know, those first few years. And then at the end of what he's able to do as a superhero, I, I think are, are fascinating stories to tell. And and I hope that we get a chance to explore those in the coming years with uh, you know, the takeover and new folks at the helm. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't even know if I want to get attached to the character that Robert Pattinson is playing because, again, we don't know what the future is. 
if they see Batman as a movie that should be about well above a billion dollars each and every time out, then maybe the Batman won't do it for you because it only got seven, eight hundred million dollars. But seven, eight hundred million dollars is a pretty good haul for a lot of movies. So I don't know. Just we'll see what happens with it. I'm not sure what is in the minds of Peter Safran and James Gunn. So we'll see. But the Batman itself was a good very very good really good showing for a batman movie and a dc movie and that ends up on the best of pop culture for 2022 awesome i want to talk about obi-wan kenobi okay i apparently i apparently spent a lot of time on disney plus this year i didn't think it was that much time but just about everything i have here is on disney plus um i as not a massive uh star wars fan um really enjoyed Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought it was a great series. Um, I thought that the controversy surrounding the actress in the show was completely unnecessary and unwarranted. I thought she did an absolutely outstanding job. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the fight scene in the desert between uh, Vader and Obi-Wan. And in particular, the moment that I couldn't wait to talk about with my super huge Star Wars friends is um, the moment where Vader stops the ship and rips it open and then pulls it to the ground. What a fantastic scene. It was so good. And it really does help you remember, oh, right, Vader is ridiculously strong when it comes to the Force. And um, as a as a casual fan, I kind of probably let a little bit of that information slide a bit. But, uh, you know, being reminded of it in that moment with that show of this incredible power that Vader actually does have um, was really a, a great moment and a highlight for me out of a series that I already, al- already found to be very good. See, they had two major battles during the course of that series. And the, while they were at times really interesting for me to watch as well, Okay, the deal is you finish the job, and at no time does it occur to either Kenobi or Darth Vader that you should, when you have the individual down, like a whole bunch under a whole bunch of rocks or in peril, should you finish the job? Now, obviously, we know why because you know they would meet later on, where of course Darth Vader finishes the job then, but. You put them in such peril, you have such great fights, and then you get to a point where, okay, it looks like they should be goner, they should be goners, and well, I can't finish you off. I'm sorry because I'm going to finish you off later in the Star Wars. Time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the so only that, part. That's sure. the only part. Yeah, it's it's like okay, you were you and I were, were would be you know fighting, and then all of a sudden, okay, you have me. My, my lasers down my my lightsabers over there in the corner and i'm like oh don't kill me melinda you know what? i'm just gonna go walk away from you right now because again i'm not expected to kill you until later in the timeline yeah actually i think what happened was the generators were running low for okay. the lighting on the set and they just had to kind of wrap things up a little bit fair that's, enough, fair enough. yeah that's definitely what happened Okay. Well, but the series sounded like it was very compelling for you as far as a whole. So that's good. Yeah, I really, really, really did enjoy it. I I thought it was great. And uh, a a thank goodness follow up to uh, your one of your worst ofs, I'm sure, The Book of Sloba Fett. So, yes. Yeah. The Book of Sloba Fett, indeed. That will be discussed at the worst. I would imagine. You never know. 
But for now, thanks so much for joining us. On Friday, though, we're going to finish off our list of the best of pop culture for 2022, plus the worst of pop culture 2022 and what we're looking forward to in 2023 in pop culture. So stay tuned for that on Friday for the PCC Multiverse. For Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.